And now, Mr. Marvel himself, Stan Lee. Hi, true believers. You may think you know the origin of the Fantastic Four, but until you see the far-out version we have waiting for you, you've only scratched the surface. And no dyed-in-the-wool Marvelite wants to be a surface scratcher, right? But hey, not only will you see the world's favorite superhero team battling the pernicious puppet master, you'll also catch him starring on Dick Clark's TV show. How that happened? Don't touch your dial. You're about to find out. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. Now, I know I told everyone at the end last time that after doing two crossover episodes, first in episode 83, we did the best event ever crossover, in which we talked about DC's Underworld Unleashed, and episode 84 was part of the Mephisto's vs. the Podcasters crossover. So I said that with this episode, we were getting back to the Adam-Thanos coverage. And we were going to. I was almost done editing the new episode with John M. Wilson and myself covering Warlock number 11, the end of the Mega Saga. But that was before Monday, November 12th, the day Stanley died. Not only was he one of the co-creators of Adam Warlock, along with the king, Jack Kirby, but he was also the face of comics. Everyone knew who he was. Even non-comic readers. Hell, my mom even knows who he is. I knew I wanted to do something to celebrate the man and his work and to say goodbye. I talked to a few people and we had a, one or two informal chats about Stan. Just talking about the man and his life and career. It was our way of processing. And that's what we're doing today. So first up, we're going to have Paul Showens from GeekPod. And then after Paul, Brian Zeno will be on. Listeners will know Brian as my regular co-host on our Thanos-centric episodes. Okay, so Warlock number 11 has been pushed back again to next episode. Because we need to mark this date. So I'm here with Paul Showens from GeekPod. And, well, quite frankly, we're, like the episode title is, we're just here to talk about Stan. Paul, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I mean, I've considering better, yeah. Considering what uh, what we well, just had dropped on us, yeah. The the whole point of this recording. So besides that, yeah. Um, it almost kind of sounds like you want to do almost an Irish wake for him, and I I definitely dig it. Okay. Well, I have a beer going going on, so that makes sense. <laughs> that makes two of us. All right, there you go. <laughs> um. So yeah, finding out the news that was uh, that was pretty rough. How did you hear? Um, one of my good friends, who uh, I mean, actually is referred to as my little sister in our circles, she actually texted me. I was at work, 
and um it was it was just a very generic she's like oh my god i can't believe it and then there was the emojis of like the crying faces and i'm like what are you talking about and she just texted back stan and i'm like oh no 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 so naturally i googled and and i found out the news that way and it completely took the wind out of my sails yeah similar here my friend dan texts me like well occasionally texts me you know he's like hey you watch titans i'm like yeah you know what'd you think i'm like and all of a sudden, I just hear get an episode message from him, Stan Lee. I'm like, what about Stan? It's like he died. Ugh. But you kind of had to know in, in the back of your head when you got the Stan Lee. You knew you knew what was up, right? Yeah. Same here. I mean, I didn't want to believe it. And, like, I mean, we texted back and forth a little bit last night. And it was like, well, you kind of had to expect it, but you were hoping it wasn't time. Yeah. I mean, the man was 95 years old. Right. It's nothing I mean, that's unexpected, but... I don't think any of us works. I think it's one of those things like we expect it, but we expect it like to happen later. Yes. It was always going to happen later. It's kind of like the beginning of the year. Oh my God. It's going to take forever. It's January. You know, like if you think about like, there's no point thinking about Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday <laughs> celebrate. It's like, that's a year. Oh my God. And next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving. It's November. Now we're like, Oh God, it's the year's almost over. How'd yeah. Oh my God. Where did it go? Yeah, yeah, and it's something like that. It's like, wait, it happened already? How'd that happen? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh I, I, have you bounced back, or is it still kind of, or am I just a weirdo, and it's really affected me way more than it should for someone I've never met in my life? No, it's still, I, I it's been on my brain all day. Right, and uh, I mean, for me, I, it literally felt like someone kicked me in the stomach. Like, it was just definitely a gut punch. I equate it. Here's the thing. A lot of celebrity things happen and I'm like, oh, like I like that. You know, I like their stuff. I like what they did. You know, it's sad they're not here now. Right. But I think Stan and like there's a few ones, at least for me. Because of the way they interact with even just on TV, like the way Stan would talk to you, the way, you know, on like, let's say Spider-Man is Amazing Friends when he would introduce the show. Mm hmm. Kind of like the way he would introduce the comics or do his soapbox. It almost felt like he was talking to you. You felt like you knew him more than, let's say, the actor playing your favorite character. Right. I agree 100%. You nailed that right there. And um, He was almost like a family member to the entire world. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that might change a bit more now. Because of things like Twitter and social media, where you can actually interact with some of these celebrities a bit more and get a bit more to know that you feel like you know them as a person. I mean, you, most of them, we're not going to really know them. It's not like, oh, my God, I'm best friends with this person. Right. But because of that now you kind of have a bit more of a personal thing as opposed to just seeing them playing characters in a movie or a TV show. It's now you have a way to talk to them about like, oh, look at my, you know, look what my dog did. Right. You know, a thing that you would just do with your friends. Like, look at this dumb dog did. And now they can share it with you and you can get to feel more of a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. But kind of like, like Kevin like Smith said, does. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably podcast. the next closest. Yes. Yeah. Because of all the hours of podcasting and talking about his life, you feel like you know him, even if you don't, never met him. But Stan did that without social media, without a podcast. With the old versions of media. 
Totally. And he did that anyway. And made it accessible in a way that, um, aside from Kevin Smith, I don't think I've ever seen before and we will probably never see again. Because even like like you're talking about with the social media thing, that still mostly feels like something's at arm's length. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it's all going to change now and be like that, but it has more of a potential. And depending on the person, the celebrity, it has more of a potential now than it did, let's say, 20 years ago. Right. But doesn't mean that it will. Oh, yeah. You know, for all you know, it's just, you know, for all we know, he has their official Twitter page, but their assistant handles it. Yeah, true. Yeah, and clearly someone was handling stands at the end because did you see there was one last tweet? Yeah. Yeah, that that was a little weird and chilling to see come out. I mean, I wonder how much he was. I mean, let's face it. He was 95. I wonder even when he was controlling it, I wonder how much he was doing it or just telling them do this and then they would show him and he like good you did what i wanted right i don't really know if he was doing it i mean you know 95 years old i mean it, yeah. that's kind of hard to imagine i mean my grandmother's 98 and it's like i can't imagine her being on twitter <laughs> even if she wanted to she would have to it would have to be something like that she'd have to tell us put this on there okay yeah. grandma here you go see i did that awesome <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because that's that's my folks. I mean, they my, my dad can't even text. So yeah, I, I I hear you. Yeah, but yeah, that's what Stan did. That was Stan's gift. I think was the way to make everyone feel like he was talking to them and only them. Yeah, even if it was just we were reading something twenty years later, like a soapbox. Right. But no. yeah, that's the I, last giant of the silver of Marvel Silver Age gone. Yeah, yeah I mean, because, I mean, nobody is is left from the the original era, right? I don't think so. Not, not the big names. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. The giants, like there are other ones who were there and were good, and I have no disrespect to other ones. So, like, if any of them are still alive, but let's be honest, the, there were three giants for Marvel Silver Age: mm-hmm. Stan, Jack, and Steve. And they're all together again. And yeah. and hopefully getting along a lot better. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, but, that's, that's another thing. Stan was a polarizing figure. Yeah. I mean, I don't go with the whole... I know there was some controversy about them with that. And I, I mean, well, A, they were all human. So none of them were going to be perfect. You know? Right. Yeah. They all had issues. They all had faults. And they're artistic. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, things would happen and people would want to go one way or the other. And yeah. That happens. You know, I mean, the Beatles, you know, the Beatles didn't stay together forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, in that business, that's you're not going to keep a creative team together anyway. I mean, it's, it's something to be said for as long as those guys did stay together. As yeah, it is. I mean, that would be unheard of in this day and age with the, the way the, the business is now. Yeah, you don't get people, you don't get a creative teams like that for as long as they were. Like, I mean, some of the Stan and Jack stuff was almost a decade. Mm-hmm. And now we're lucky if we get six issues of a, a good team together. 
Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Although but I was I just reading the first issue of Hawkeye for a different show, and I was like, oh, I love this Fractionaja team. <laughs> I've still got to go back to that. I just read issue one a little while, like 20 minutes ago. Nice. It's like, oh. But yeah, I mean, so at least, you know, you get that occasionally. Like, I mean, they did the 22 issues of Hawkeye. They did the uh, Immortal Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting like you did in Silver Age. Definitely not. But yeah, it was. It was the way. Yeah, that was. That, I was thinking about it before. Like each one of them had its particular gift. Like Steve Dicko was a master of like humanity, and like introspection, and uh, and mood and feeling. You yeah. know, when people were upset, you could tell when they were upset. You know, he could do crazy. Kirby was just pure imagination exploding. <laughs> Definitely. And Stan had that gift of that and the cornball, but it's a way I, I, I talked about Claremont once. People don't talk that way, but you kind of wish they did. Right. Yeah, it, it was the world right outside your window, like he used to say, but with a wink and a nod. Exactly. I mean, would the because the Fantastic Four would the Fantastic Four really be the same thing if the thing did not sound the way he does? <laughs> oh, definitely not. Yeah. So that's why I say for all the controversy of all of all of them, I just go because I'm not there. Right. I go with they were all needed. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, they were. Mar- Marvel does group. not. Marvel doesn't become the Marvel universe without all three of those voices and those guiding hands. You take one of them out of the equation and it's, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Cause they've all done other stuff without each other and that was good, but there was just when they all hit those guys hit together, it was magic. Totally. You know, and since he did, I mean, mostly it was, you know, staying with Steve or staying with Jack. So maybe that was his other special gift. Maybe he'll bring out the magic. Pulled it out of them. Of them. Yeah. Made something better. You know, made them or even whatever it was about him that they did better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. So I heard, did you hear he, um, he did film his final cameo. I saw that Avengers. today. No, I, I noticed they keep referencing Avengers for it. Is do you think that means there was already something in place for Captain Marvel as well? I have to assume as much. I hope so, but it's it's still going to be rough with the yeah. in memoriam mm-hmm. at the end or probably at the beginning. That's that's gonna that's gonna be a rough watch. Do you think they'll do it for Captain Marvel, or do you think they'll save it for Avengers? I think they'll save it for Avengers. I think they might take heat for it because they're not acknowledging it in like the next movie that's coming. But I, I think it has its place at the end of the story in Avengers four. I, I agree. I think if they're, I mean, it'd be fine if they do in Captain Marvel, cause that's the next one, but that's also a couple months away and Avengers isn't long after that. So it's not like they're waiting an extra year. Right. You know, they're both going to be next year anyway. Yeah. It's not like, you know, one's coming out in a few months and they can, you know, like in December and they can put it on there. Right. 
So I, and, I think Avengers will make more sense. Yeah, I, I think that's the fitting place for it. <sighs> <He's> also, <coughs> excuse me. That's okay. He also was the first comic creator I think most of us would probably know of. Even right. before you were reading comics. I mean, like I said, for me, it was Spider-Man and Amazing Friends. Yeah. That, I knew that who that was. my first introduction to him, too. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, he, he surpassed the industry because they were talking about it um, at the law firm I worked for yesterday. And, and guys who've never seen the comic book know who Stan Lee is. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah. My wife called him. And she doesn't mean it in the same way as this other person was, like he does the same thing, but she called him the Hugh Hefner of the com- of comics. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, that works. You know, the ambassador, so to speak. Totally. The face of. I mean, he yeah. became the face of comics for most people, even for ones that had nothing to do with him. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that's who everybody thinks of. I mean, you know, the cabin man, I mean, they'll tell you that he created the entire Marvel Universe. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm okay with most people believing that. Yeah, most a lot of people probably would believe he created you know, Superman, too. Like, hey. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> like they said, they don't know. I mean, it's sad that no one knows, you know, Siegel and Schuster are or the others, but. Right. He but he, became, he was definitely bigger than the industry. He was bigger than life. Oh, Totally. I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to think of which one would be my favorite script of his. Oh, see, that's tough. I mean, Fantastic Four Fifty One is always a good classic to go with. This man, this monster. Yes. But I love a lot of his Spider-Man stuff too. Yeah, Especially- I was more of a Spider-Man guy with it. And as much as I've come over years to appreciate Ditko more. My favorite era of Spider-Man is still the Stanley John Romita era. Yes, I liked I liked the artwork much better. I know that's blasphemy, but that's that was my thing. Well, but I would have to say the best of his I ever read was Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Ooh, that'd be good. Well, that yeah, was a he, issue. I mean, coming up with uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. I mean, my mom even knows that. Right. And probably knows who to attribute it to. Yeah. But I saw somebody put once that said he was because, you know, he's not that wasn't his real name. That was his pen name because he was saving his real name for the great American novel. <laughs> right. And I put I saw somebody somewhere wrote that. Well, he didn't realize he actually was writing it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think that might be it, actually, because that line has transcended it all. Oh yeah, it's become a cultural icon itself. You know that line, that quote. That and it's become a mantra for God knows how many people. But it's like it's yeah. a famous. It's just like a famous quote. It's like everyone knows that right up there with uh, four score and seven years ago. <laughs> we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes. That might have to become part of uh, my sleeve when I finish my tattoo. Oh, there you I might go. Have to put that in there. That's an idea. I've also thought of a tattoo. I just can never think of what I wanted to get. <laughs> I have way too many ideas. That's why it's going to take over my entire left arm. 
The only thing I thought of finally, and it took me like 15 years, 20 years, I think of it, was like a Luke Skywalker kind of on my shoulder. But with no hand, like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and the hand holding a lightsaber down by my ankle. That's awesome. <laughs> Not quite where I thought you were going to go with it at first, but yeah. I like it. If I do it, I have no idea. Because, like I said, it took me forever to even think of it. <laughs> Going by that timeline, I'll be 70 before I get it done. Right. <laughs> hey, but there's still time to do that, even then. It took me 20 years in between my two tattoos. Yeah. Well, so. well that's true. Oh, that's that's another thing that reminds me about Stan. Speaking of that, he's also a good reminder. It's never too late. I mean... He was not 20 when he created all that stuff. He was in his 40s. Right. He was born in 22, right? So 32, 42, 52, 62. So he was 39 when he's doing Fantastic Four number one. Right. When he made the leap to what he actually wanted to write. Yeah. Like before that, he was doing like Millie the Model and all that, like the romance and the the Western stuff, right? Yeah, and and the, the cheap... You know, Kirby knock off 10 pages of a monster attacking people and then running away. Yeah. Which means like, you know, Fing Fang Foom and Ninguba and Groot. Right. Well, that one worked out. Oh, yeah. It took a while, but it got there. But yeah, that's another. I just thought about that. That's another great thing about Stan. It's a good reminder. It's never too late. You know, he didn't start doing that in his 20s. He didn't start that till he was almost 40. I mean, he was working in the industry, but he wasn't doing that stuff. Right. Wasn't doing the stuff we all know. Oh, totally. And it was Joni that pushed him to do it, right? She was one of them. I mean, I, you hear all the stories. Some of them are apocryphal, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's kind of a combination of it all. It's a combination of, you know, Just League selling and Martin Goodman, you know, whether he had the golf game or not. Oh, yeah. Knowing about it and going, we should do something like this. And maybe his wife, maybe, you know, also a combination probably of Joni telling him, well, you know, write what you write one you would like to write and then, you know, get out. Hmm. I mean, which thing actually did or didn't happen? It's hard to tell at this point. Right. Because, again, all good legends. I mean, there there's a nugget of truth in all the bombastic storytelling. So. And there's a phrase I heard once, you know, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. There you go. It's yeah, it's rough. It makes it a little harder talking about him, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's try to turn this around. Uh, Favorite. Time you he was on the screen. I didn't oh, want to just go with cameos, but um, any of it. I mean, even like you said, like you're talking about uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, all the way up through. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go with two. Okay. The Guardians Volume Two, because I love the idea that he's the Watcher. Yes. I, I, oh my god, that was brilliant. Because I kind of love the idea that. All of them was him still. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it doesn't matter if they say it or not. It's 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 enough that it's there that we could impl- you know can be implied and assume. Right. And the other one, because it also gives them a chance to actually have some lines and do something, and it's amusing. Mall rats. Yes, I, I love his mall rat scenes. I uh, I actually pulled that out last night to rewatch it, and uh, I actually couldn't bring myself to put it in. Um, mine, I'm going a little bit different, and it's just because what they gave him to do in the script, and that was the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man scene in the library. Oh, yes, I saw that. That's right, where he's uh, had the headphones on. Headphones on, just oblivious to all of the like insanity going on around him, and it's just... It was so much fun, and just to watch him actually do something instead of just sit and 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 say a line, it was it was a good time for me. I just that one makes me giggle every time. Yeah, I think that's why I like the ones I said are like especially Mallrats, where he actually gets to do something as opposed mm-hmm. to just kind of standing there or going, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, that one like in Hulk, Incredible Hulk, where all he does to do is drink the drink the soda. Yeah, and drops it. Yeah, yeah. You know, these he actually, like you said, these he actually does something. Yeah. I am a little upset that I never had a chance to meet him. Same here. Um, and apparently, found out yesterday that the chance was almost way closer than I thought. He was almost booked for a con that was supposed to take place this month. Oh, but wow. he he stopped doing the East Coast stuff like two months before they signed the paperwork. So yeah, again, not surprising. Yeah, I mean, poor guy was. It's still got to be rough, <sighs> oh, even totally. with as much energy he seemed to have. Yeah, and then with everything that was going on at the end. Yeah. With all everyone trying to take advantage and get a piece, it was. I just hope that doesn't taint the memory too much for most of the public. I don't think so. Not from what I've seen. That's hopefully that's that's. Yeah. It doesn't seem like most people are focusing on that. Good. Most people are focusing on the other stuff. The good stuff. Yeah. The amazing stuff. <laughs> the uncanny stuff. And the fantastic stuff. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm Paul Spataro. I don't know if you know me, but I'm a regular on Back to the Bins, along with my friends, Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Mr. Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Andy's been asking us for a promo for the show for the longest time, and Bill has been writing it for the longest time. Bill, you got that promo written yet? Uh... Okay, so, anyway, what we do is we review three comic books... We try to do it every week. Usually it's a Marvel, a DC, and a Captain Canuck book for Scott. So, tune in every week to Back to the Bins to listen to our show. You can find us at twotruefreaks.com. All right, so we've got Brian with us. Brian Zeno, which you know from the show, from our Thanos episodes. He's my Thanos guy. <laughs> I am your Thanos guy. I'm not sure how to feel about that, but okay, I'll 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 accept that Thanos has uh, um, powerful in his own way. <laughs> well, I got an Adam. I got an Adam guy. You're a Thanos guy. Okay, okay, yeah, but Adam is Adam is good, and Thanos is evil, and I'm not evil. No, but you just understand evil. <laughs> that may actually be true. 
I, I, I may have to live with that. Uh, that might be my burden to carry. How you doing, Al? I'm good otherwise. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be back. Glad yes. to be here. So, uh, Stan Lee. Stan the man Lee. Yes. So, how did you find out? Um, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, I get I actually get the bulk of my news, uh, pop culture and otherwise, uh, through Twitter, because most of the uh, traditional uh, avenues by which human beings get news, at least in the United States of America, have become too aggravating for me to deal with. Agreed. So I uh, I have my I have my carefully uh, uh, pruned and cultivated uh, Twitter feed. Not to mean that it's uh, not to mean that it's like I only listen to who I want to listen to, but I've I've got it to a point now where I feel like it's it's giving me adequate it's informing me adequately without um, without uh, uh, aggravating me unduly. And so when first thing I do in the morning when I wake up is I'll go to uh, my Twitter feed to see if anything important uh, that I need to know about is going on in the world. Uh, again, pop culture or otherwise. And I saw uh, the first thing I saw was um, someone had re someone had just posted without comment a um, uh, a clip or not a clip a uh, um, uh, crop of one of Stan's soapboxes from the 1960s or 1970s. And I'm like, oh, why is that there, especially without comment? And as I started going down my feed, I started to see, again, without comment, it was just all in a row, just like random photos of Stan Lee. And I'm like, is it his birthday? And then and then finally I saw some, uh, I can't remember if it was it was a creator of of some sort who says i i sincerely hope that this stan news is a hoax and that's when it it it, it dawned on me oh no stan has 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 left us and and then yeah i i saw and then i i i, I looked elsewhere i looked on other websites and yes yeah, stan stan had uh, died monday morning yeah did you have you seen anything about what it was i mean i just saw he like was brought to cedar sinai and passed away but i I looked at a couple of things. Nothing actually said what he died of yet. Yeah, at least not that I saw. I I have not uh, uh, seen that in, in nothing. I didn't. I I haven't only probably looked at one or two. Um, one or two. A um, appreciations was remembrances and eulogies. So nothing so much just that he left, he, he passed away Monday morning. He left us Monday morning, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, and, uh, just doing a quick check on Wikipedia. They don't even give a, uh, a proper cause of death, but it does mention that he'd had a long battle with pneumonia earlier in 2018. So it might've just been, you know, pneumonia in a 95 year old man who, True. Hadn't, I mean, hadn't been fully healthy for some time. So that might be it. But no, I haven't seen any any uh, concrete reporting on the cause of death. No. OK, I was just curious. Not like I mean, it's not like he was 42 where it's like, what happened? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was he was 95. I mean, he's at the age where, unfortunately, sometimes people just pass away. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's and it's 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 sad because if you saw the wonderful um comic form uh remembrance that the new york times published on tuesday that was written by mike uh, brian michael bendis um 
he 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 includes some uh, depictions of some of of his meeting with Stan late much later in his life, like only a couple of years ago. And he depicts Stan straight up telling him that he really can't see or hear anymore. So Stan was not he was still working. He was still doing everything he could to be a, a creative, you know, uh, running POW entertainment and all of that. But he was not a whole human being and hadn't been for some time. So. You know that that it it didn't it wasn't shocking over over much. Although there was there you did sort of get a sense, didn't you? Have a sense the last few years, like as he as he progressed into his nineties, and every time we got to a every time we got to a a Stanley birthday, I believe his birthday was sometime in January, and every time you got to a Stanley birthday, didn't you? You you just have this sense like Stan was eternal. Stan yeah. was never going. Stan could never die. <laughs> <laughs> he hit, he had hit that point where he just kind of stayed looking the same way like yeah. the last 20 30 40 years and you just I guess we just got used to that and we just assumed that's what he was what always was right and that's what he always would be our exactly. grandchildren would see him like that exactly and I think if I was reading the uh, if I was reading the post correctly um, I, I don't know if you saw uh, the photo that Roy Thomas posted of his last uh, uh, I was going to bring that up with, from with last Stan. weekend, and that was from what two days before he passed. And Stan, I mean, he didn't he, he didn't look young. He didn't look you know like uh, like like a, like like you say, he didn't look forty two. But at the same time, that didn't look like a man who was two days away from the end. So yeah. uh, I think you're right. He 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 just seemed uh, there was something that seemed kind of eternal about Stan. <laughs> One of those pictures of him from the bullpen years ago is like his Dorian Gray portrait. Yes, yes, exactly. That's probably it. We have to go back and find. We have to find a copy of uh of the Marvel Fumetti book and <laughs> and see if any of the Stan in there has mysteriously deteriorated. There was something I always wondered what like Fumetti was always a strange word. It's probably Italian for you know magic spell that prolongs life or something like that. <laughs> I remember picking that book up from like a quarter bin like years ago. Oh, I never owned my own copy. Um, true story. Uh, when I was um, when I was probably thirteen, and I was just getting into comic book collecting, as I so often do nowadays. We have podcasts. You know how it is. You get into something new and geeky and. Um, you 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 want to do you don't just want to read it you don't just want to want to uh, appreciate it you want to like do something more with it and nowadays we have podcasts hey i love this thing that i'm into let me podcast about it people um, do that weird yeah i i've i've heard i've heard tale of of these of these uh, strange elusive beings that do this yes but um but back when i was uh, uh 13 and i was just getting into comic book collecting seriously um a friend of mine and I decided we were going to make comics of our own. So we got together in his basement and we brainstormed and we wrote and we drew and um, and then we photocopied and we stapled and uh, distributed uh, at school. And oh, anyway, cool. yeah. And, and this this felt like it felt like we were like hugely successful and lasted forever and probably six months and maybe a half dozen issues total. Um, but that's not, uh, that's and, not a bad sweet. Well, well, that means a mu- issue a month. That's actually pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were we were uh, we were into it for a while. But anyway, that that friend that I did that with, 
um, way back in the in the in the dark days of the 1980s. He had uh, the Marvel Fumetti book, and it was his copy that I read about uh, 50 times. But <laughs> um, I never owned my own uh, copy of it. Uh, sad to say, that's a crazy book, though. Oh, it's insane. It was great, though, because that whole what we now know to be like sort of the mythical depiction of the bullpen and, you know, Stan as the as the happy go lucky overlord of all these creative madmen and women. Uh, uh, nothing really like not Foom, not the bullpen bulletins, nothing um, created a concrete belief in that mythical entity in my mind as strongly as the Marvel Fumetti book. Oh yeah. Cause you actually can see it right there. You're like, well, it right. happened. See, here's the pictures. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I believed it. I believed it at 13, 14, 15, dude, I, I fully believed there was an actual bullpen and it was wonderful and, you know, crazy was, and everyone and was crazy hanging out and everyone was awesome. And then, you know, there was never, never a cloud in the, in the metaphorical sky. Yeah. Probably the same effect that the uh, Mary Marvel Marching Society album had on kids in the 60s. Probably. Probably. Which had them all, like, you know, you hear them all talking together. Yeah. It's like, see, they're all together. We can hear them. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know, that's 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 what Stan did, man. And and those those who came after who were all the children of Stan. Um, it's funny. The uh, when the news broke Monday and um so and I went to work and everybody uh, that I see at work, like as we as we as we see each other for the first time at work and we greet each other, everybody says to me because I'm well known around around my job as the the, the guy who's into the comics. Um, everybody says to me, you know, yeah, man. So Stan, that's their greeting to me at work yeah. on Monday. And, and and I'm like, I'm like. It's not like, oh, you know, the RIP to, you know, I mean, we, we lost a few, a few greats here in uh, 2018. Um, trying to, I mean, just, just not too long ago, we lost Marie Severin and mm -hmm. Gary Friedrich both on yep. the same day. And it was like, oh, they, you know, that's sad. They're passing, you know, and I Ditko. enjoyed their work. And exactly. And Ditko earlier this year and, and Harlan Ellison earlier in the year, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But my um, my point is, so we note their passing and we remember them and we say, hey, you know, the world's a little poorer for their passing. Stan, I was I was actually like down all day. And so I texted uh, the Empress, my wife, uh, later in the day. And I said, uh, you know, it, it really is staying with me and everyone, you know, sort of sort of giving me condolences in a way as, as we, as we greet each other at work. Um, I said, it's, it's, it's like we lost family. And she, she texts me back very, uh, very, uh, 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 shortly thereafter, like, uh, we did lose family, <laughs> like very adamant about it. And I, and it's like, it's true. You know, it's like, we lost a, a sort of, uh, a family member, father figure, something, you know? So all of these creative types, to, to, to loop a little bit back to my uh, to, to why I got onto that little digression, all of the creative types who came after Stan and Stan himself, that's what they were all about was not just peddling these uh, uh, purveying these these stories and these these worlds, uh, but making us believe in them for for much longer and stronger than than other people who were doing similar things, I think, managed to do.
it go, that goes with what I was saying in the to a Paul before mm-hmm. is that Stan's one of the Stan's great things was making everyone feel like he was to, everything was to you, mm-hmm. whether it was in the bullpen bulletins or mm-hmm. even in just the captions or on TV or even like the movies half the time, which is why so many people said that mm-hmm. it's not like everyone knew, you know, everyone knew somebody who was into music, but I don't know if everyone like really, you know, whatever, like Bowie died or whatever, did everyone really get that much to everyone who's into music? Like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like the way I felt about it. I was like, damn, that sucks, Bowie died. Mm-hmm. Damn. But he even came across the people who barely got into it. It's like, you know, this guy would have a personal interaction with you without being personal, without personally interacting with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, you can and feel it. I mean, like, and it's true. I mean, the first thing I said to myself and to others was, you know, I think the reason that it hit is because there are not many, if anyone who's had as big a footprint on my mental life, my whole mental life, than, than Stan. So let's go with that. Yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a huge, just, just, just for me. And I mean, it wasn't personally, I think I was probably, I was probably 16, maybe. Before uh, and I had been collecting comics for a couple of years at that point. You know, I'd been I'd been a serious what you would call a serious comic book fan for a few years at that point. And um, I think that was it wasn't until then that I first read an actual comic book written by Stan. I believe it was the reprint of the um, Spider-Man drug issues in Marvel Tales. Oh, okay. Um, so I didn't have any direct, you know, aside, aside from his voiceovers on the Hulk cartoon, you remember those, um, in the early eighties. Yeah. That Um, Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and obviously his, uh, his, his Stan soapbox, I think where they were still going in bullpen bulletins on occasion at that point. Um, I think so. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, so I had some exposure to Stan, but no direct uh, uh, exposure to him as a creator until later on. And yet you go back to, you know, I'm probably five years old and my parents got me a beat up used copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 159. And it was written by Len Wein, mm-hmm. but it's Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus teaming up to, to fight Hammerhead. Uh, you know, or like reluctantly allying to fight Hammerhead. And the oh, fact is, it's Spider-Man and it's Dr. Octopus and it's Aunt May because she's the damsel in distress. And, you know, it's J. Jonah Jameson being J. Jonah Jameson in there. And this is my earliest comic book memory. This is the first comic book I read, probably. And, you know, I'm five years old. And the fact is, even though Stan didn't write it, Stan's fingerprints and DNA is all over that story as it was all over most of the stories that Marvel was publishing, even in, you know, the mid seventies, uh, six, seven years after he, after he had left his active, uh, daily active role, uh, as a creator in the company. So the fact is, you know, you go back that far and I'm sure that's what laid, what planted the seeds that ultimately led me at 13 to start, 
collecting comic books seriously and my, the first comic books I collected. The first ones that I decided I was going to buy every month and save were Amazing Spider-Man and Web of Spider-Man. And mm. shortly after that, Uncanny X-Men. And those are all things that were invented by Stan the Man Lee. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, giant, yeah. giant footprint, giant footprint. Can't I can think of? I'm I'm trying real hard to think if there's anyone else whose creative work has has loom like like has has been as responsible for a huge chunk of my of my life now as he was, and it's it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, because not just the ones he did, but also the ripples of what he did. Right. Exactly. Exactly, because even you know Roy, when when Roy Thomas was doing things, and you know uh, uh, Jerry Conway, and even 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 the stuff that was created after he left, you th- I, I'm thinking of like the '70s stuff, like uh, uh, Deathstroke. Uh, uh, Deathstroke? No, that's DC. What was his name? Um, the 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 cyborg assassin guy. Deathlock. Um, Deathlock. Deathlock. You know, I mean that was that was created entirely after after Stan, and yet without. The, the environment and the brand and the, the 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 creative intellectual DNA of Marvel Comics that Stan uh, invented uh, uh, probably that probably never would have happened. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I have to say, especially, I mean, further on in my, you know, you know, get grows away, things grow away, but especially mm-hmm. in the seventies, mm-hmm. artistically, you know, I mean, in the DNA, artistically, it's Kirby and Dicko mostly. Yeah, it's in the DNA. Like people are trying to do their variations on those things, right? And Ramita to 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 I think I think Ramita too. And again, Ramita's first flowering was on uh, Daredevil and Spider Man under the writing of Stan Lee. Yeah, I put Ramita's early one right after that. I but I put the initial three would be yeah. You know, the oh, initial yeah, no, DNA no. of Marvel is. Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. Absolutely, absolutely. Those are the go- those are the Godfathers, and 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 now they're all gone. And yeah, and Stan Lee was in the DNA in the writing. Mm-hmm. So that would purvey that one, you know, a little bit more because every you know, there's only one writer they're trying to copy and emulate and do their variation on, as opposed to two different artists. And 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 let's face it, let's be perfectly honest here. DC also had to change. You look at you look at when uh, they started to move into the Bronze Age. You know, we can look specifically. We we've already had this uh, conversation on uh, our on our four part pop culture podcast podcast uh, yeah. series with um, uh, John, John Wilson and Blaine, Blaine. Dowler. Um, uh, go find it and listen to it. It's a fine conversation. But the point is, you look. You you can see in the late '60s with the advent of Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams and uh, those guys working for DC, um, as as the DC product began to change, how did it begin to change? It began to change in that they realized the comics industry landscape had changed because of Stan Lee, and they had to get with that program or fall behind. So I would say that by the late 70s, the entire mainstream comic book industry was really uh, the the the... Um, the the realm of Stan Lee. Yeah, I mean, you could see that. I mean, like you said about DC, I mean, for one thing, they had a, you know, like I said, Neil Adams on Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, they would start doing some of those quirky series like Angel and the Ape, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that would be a bit more Marvel-like. And, I'll, you know, also let's go with, you know, getting Jack Kirby to come create. 
No, absolutely, absolutely, and more in many more direct senses, absolutely. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I'm just saying that's an example, yeah. You know, I'm just saying that, that, okay, there was a great appreciation that I, that I read. Um, I recommend it to, uh, to people, even though it's in a political magazine, and I apologize for that. But uh, Jonathan V. Last, in, on Tuesday, in the Weekly Standard, uh, wrote a great appreciation of Stan, um, in which he uh, uh, said his, his and I'm, I'm just going to, you know, gank his, uh, his, uh, uh, take wholesale here for for our listeners, but he said that uh, Stan was one of the figures that he considers P.T. Barnum figures, because and this was how he put it: before P, there were circuses before P.T. Barnum, but from the time that P.T. Barnum came along, everything that we thought that that the world thinks of as a circus is what P.T. Barnum said was a circus. And uh, another figure that he held up as a as an example of that was Vince McMahon. Um, mm. Everything that we think of now as pro wrestling is because of what Vince McMahon, how Vince McMahon changed pro wrestling. There was pro wrestling before him, but there's nothing and now that exists as pro wrestling that that isn't what Vince did. And I think he said Stan Lee was like that. There were comic books before Stan Lee. But in 1961 specifically, Stan Lee began to change comic books in a way that ultimately everything that we think of as comic books, and especially superhero comics, um, is what Stan did to how Stan changed it. Everyone had to get with that or or die. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I thought that was a very accurate and, 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 and good uh, sort of take on why Stan is is not just another uh, uh, comic book creator. I mean, it's yeah, uh, uh, Siegel and Schuster, absolutely. Uh, even Bob Kane and and Bill Finger to an extent, but but Stan, man, he he just he changed the whole game. He changed the whole game, and everyone else just it was Stan's world now, and everyone else was just living in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, that 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 to me pretty much sums up the 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 impact of Stan's life and the the I won't say tragedy because we should all be so fortunate as to uh, to 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 have his his life and 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 not just his long life but his successful life. Yeah, um, die peacefully. So, right, right. We should all be so successful. We should all be so lucky. That said, that doesn't mean that it, this is not a a a massive loss to our our world the world we live in yeah i mean again 95 not unexpected but mm-hmm. doesn't mean we wanted it exactly doesn't mean we were ready for it right exactly like i said he he had he had successfully conned us all into thinking he was going to live forever you know, which which if that's not the most Stanley thing imaginable, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really did think he was going to be alive for like another. I really thought we would at least hit his hundred, if not more. Right. He was he was like, he was, this guy's like, going to be around for like I'm dead. Right. It was like George Burns. You know, you never thought that guy was going to go. And then when he did, it's like, wait, what? What? That? that, that no, that can't be true. And that was like a, and like I said, that was a lot of the reaction I saw on, on Monday. You know, it was like this can't be true. And sadly, it was. But. But uh, yeah, so uh, so yeah, R.I.P. Stanley, um, yep. and 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 if anyone has deserved their uh, requesquiat in pace, it's uh, 
and I'm sure I butchered the Latin there, but I stand by it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's Stan. He's he's earned his rest. And uh, thank you, thank you for everything, Stan the man, Stanley Lieber. Dr. Hugh, what's got you geeked? Well, Paul, I'm geeked because we're recording our very first promo for GeekPod. What's GeekPod? GeekPod is a eclectic celebration of Nobody all things Nobody uses the word eclectic ever in real Seriously, life. Dude. Ever. <laughs> and you're just trying to sound smart. <laughs> go on, go on. It's a call to action to let your geek flag fly proudly. See, that becomes fast. No. The guys share their <laughs> opinions, the guys being us, and unique perspectives on everything from comic books the sports, and anything in between. No topic is off limits. Come experience the show that's being called Intelligently Irreverent and Good-Naturedly Offensive. Who says that? Your mom. <laughs> that's just me, man. Just me. GeekPod. Each and every week. Each and every week? Come on Okay, now. so <laughs> twice a month, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> when we can all show up. Come join in on the fun. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and more. That's geekpod.com. G33KPOD. Unfortunately, I missed the last episode. Don't want to miss the two episodes in a row. So here's our feedback from episode 83, which was part of the best event ever crossover. We covered the DC comic, Abyss Hell Sentinel. And the post for that episode on Facebook was liked and shared by Joe Sedano, Clinton Robinson, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Pat Sampson, Mike Peacock, Bill Bear, Gene Hendricks, and Coffee and Comics. On Twitter, the post was retweeted and liked by Rolled Spine Podcast, Between the Pages, Hicks, Justice Trek the Podcast, Relatively Geeky, Jason Snick Venable, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Comics Couplets, Rob Deb, Paul Matthew Carr, Larry Boyd, Caleb T. Boyd. Wonder if they're related. Are you guys related? Just curious. Laurel, RJ Clark, ITG Graham, and Jeffrey Brown. But that's not all. I also have a few comments from the Podbean site. Which, in case you didn't know, is the site I use to host a podcast. Actually, the comment I'm going to talk about today is from August. See, turns out I have several comments and even emails from the last few months. I've been asking for them, but I think around the beginning of summer, I kind of forgot to keep checking. And, of course, that's when they all show up. Now, I don't want anyone to think I don't care. I do. On the next couple episodes, starting today, I'm going to be reading and responding to a different email or comment each time. Intel, I'm caught up. So why don't one of you send me something in now so I don't, I don't worry about catching up? Our first comment is from August 21st, and the poster is Nahan. Nahan says, I can't believe it. A podcast about Adam Warlock. I've been collecting every single comic with him, even a tiny cameo, since the 70s. First, I want to thank Nahan for listening and writing. Appreciate it. And I want to know, when in the 70s did you start? Were you getting the Megas issues that we're co- covering when they came out? Did you start after the Megas issues? Or were you even earlier? Were you buying the Counter-Earth issues? I, I want to know. Please, 
write back and let us know about when you started. Now, if you want your name or message read on the show, there are a couple ways to interact with us. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. Just type in Adam Warlock in the search box. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Thanos Pod. You can send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. You can download the Podbean app, follow us, and comment there. And of course, there's always the old reliable method of leaving a review on iTunes. Whatever you like. And considering what this episode's about, I would love for anyone, you have anything you want to say about Stan? Anything, favorite moment of his, favorite character, favorite cameo, whatever you want to say. Write in on any one of those ways and let me know. Although if you're in a Han, I do want, besides that, I want to know when you started collecting the Warlock buttons specifically. And if you're the two boys, Larry or Cable, sorry, Larry or Caleb, are you guys related? It just was really weird that both of your names popped up right next to each other, so I'm just kind of curious. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Beginning in 2018, the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the Loose Leaf Editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez. Sandman by Mike Dringenberg. Batman by Norm Brayfogel. The JLI by Adam Hughes. Eclipso by Bart Sears. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. Dark Stars by Travis Charest. Lobo by Simon Bisley. Kent Shakespeare by Chris Spratt. Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet. Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Parabek. The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me. Doom Patrol by Richard Case. (sighs) I'm so confused. And many more. The Who's Who podcast, going boldly into the 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. That's it for this time. I want to thank Brian and Paul for joining me and saying goodbye to Stan. Coming up a few days on my other show, Pop Culture Pals Presents, my brother Joe will be on. You know him from the Deadpool vs. Thanos episodes. And he'll be joining me as we have a little Stan chat there as well. There's really only one other thing I can think of to say that's appropriate. You know what it is. Come on, say it with me. Okay? Count of three. One... Two, three. Excelsior! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.
now, Mr. Marble himself, Stan Lee. Greetings, culture lovers, zombies. We've all seen them in countless horror movies. They're usually referred to as the dead who walk. Now, what can they possibly have to do with Tony Stark or his armored alter ego, the invincible Iron Man? Well, seeing as how you bothered to ask, here's a clue. Take a mysterious submarine at the bottom of the sea, add the murderous menace of the Mandarin, mixed with a plan to steal Iron Man's armor, add the living dead, and wait till you see what happens next. See ya.